Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. That's right, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use the promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 153 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Base Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump Day Wednesday. Almost there, folks. A couple more days. But it gets scared. We got Halloween coming up. Gonna be a scary edition on Sunday's episode, let me tell you. But uh, I, I have a scary individual today. Uh, she's a nice guy, but he was scary on the ice. Returning guest, another in the in this series of five toughest opponents. Returning guest, Marco Cefalo, and uh, Marco is great. And, and if anybody's interested, I, I highly recommend to go back and, and check out my full-length interview with Marco. It's I believe it's episode 86 in the back catalog. Um, while you're back, there are plenty of, uh, like I said, episode 153, you got lots to choose from. John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, um, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, 
Josh Mazer, on and on. Lots of great guests that I've had over the last two years, um, and Marco was one of them. But and it's and it's and it's fun, and that's been I, and I've said this before, and I mean I know I'm whatever, but chewing my food twice here, but um, yeah, I, I really enjoy the, the the fun part for the five uh, toughest opponents is just to reconnect with the guys. Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously you guys hear the finished product of the, of the interview, but, um, you know, the fun part is, uh, the, the pre-interview, uh, talk and, and sometimes the, the post-interview talk, um, um, I, in fact, with, with Ted Arenko, I think we talked for like another hour after his interview of like two and a half hours, um, you know, but, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of the guys just, um, and then, Initially, on their first interviews, a lot of times, that's the first time I've ever spoke to them um, verbally. So it's kind of the get to know, how's it going, and this is what we're doing, and blah, blah, blah. And then um, usually, and then after the show, we kind of talk for a little bit. But uh, um, come to the, then when you have them back on for the five toughest, it's, I don't want to say now you know them, because you don't. But I mean, but there's a familiarity there. And um, yeah, and like I said, I I have more fun in that portion of the conversation, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all cool, but, uh, just that personal interaction and, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and it's been fun. And, um, yeah. So like I said, that's why, um, I'm really enjoying this five toughest opponent series. I have another series that I'd like to try out, um, kind of a timeline thing. Um, I'm kind of just spitballing it right now. Like I said, with everything going on, of course, with the condo sale and all that, um, you know, November is going to be gong show, like moving and everything will be busy and unhooking and re, you know, you know, we're moving. And of course you got to get the cable and the internet and all that transferred over, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know how many, um, episodes I'll be putting out in November. We'll put it that way. But, uh, uh, what was the, what was the point of what? Oh, but, uh, once it gets settled and everything in the, into December and, uh, you, you know, get, get rolling and everything can settle down and unpack everything and work will slow down because of the snow in the winter. Um, I, I'll definitely focus. Um, I'll have a focus. I can focus on the, on the podcast and the YouTube channel more. And there's a few things that I'd like to do going forward that I haven't had an opportunity to with work all summer and the moving and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but it's sort of like a, I don't know what I'm, it's, I'm kind of in the initial stage, like a kind of a time capsule type series. And I basically just take like a year out of a season and okay, say it's 1995, 96 Western Hockey League. And, I'll, and I'd like to get a, a player that played at that in that, you know, like a Mike Haley or a Graf or whatever. And, uh, and we just basically talk about the season. Not just the Spokane Chiefs season or whatever team they happen to be on, but just around the league, like who was the good teams, the star players, and who the tough guys were. I mean, obviously it's a it's a fight podcast. So I mean, I'm never going to lose sight of that. So, but at the same time, it, you know, we'll talk about you know, like oh, like an, say it was an eighty nine ninety. Oh, Peter Nedved defected and played for Seattle, scored sixty five goals. What was it like to play against them and that type of thing? And then of course, then you'll have like you know, they also had. You know, whoever, right? Paul Ferone, what was it like to fight him or play against him? Just shit like that. I mean, and you can kind of do, that way I can kind of, not only just with players, but I can get fans as well that happen to be around at that time. And, you know, um, like Jay out in Iowa being a big Quad City fan, like, you know, what what big year for him was there? And then we can talk about all the guys coming. You get a fan perspective of it and, and that type of thing. It just sort of opens it up because at the end of the day, 
it, it's just um, anytime uh, you you open up your guest pool to 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 more, it 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 becomes easier to do a show. Um, like I said, with with Marco here, I I'm not making it sound like oh he was just my last my last ditch effort to get someone, or I was going to have him on again anyway. But um, I had a guest lined up on Sunday, and he no showed. <laughs> on a day and a time he picked and I texted him and got no replies and you know, whatever, you know. So of course now it's Mon- you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, like today I'm recording this obviously Tuesday night. So it comes out Wednesday right in the morning. So that left me basically two days to find someone. And Marco was nice enough to make time in his schedule. In fact, he showed up early and, and we recorded. So, um, but it's just it's harder and harder to get guests and and uh, but when you can open it up to the fans as well, um, you know, like I can't phone up Jay and ask who his five toughest opponents were, right? So it's that's a limiting type series because you need the players for that. But when it's a time capsule piece, I think you can include fans as well that were like maybe season ticket holders at that time or what what have you. So um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I, you know maybe and if I put it out and the downloads suck and no one's you know, whatever, then, you know, it's not like I'm married to the project, but it's just something I'm trying out. I'd like, I think it's something different and maybe that could replace the Sunday episode. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just something different and, um, we'll see going forward. But anyway, that's one of my ideas, you know, hopefully hockeyfights.com didn't hear that or John Scott will be coming out with a time, time capsule piece for his next shows. So, (laughs) sad but true. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see going forward what happens. Um, but how about we get into this? Uh, well, before I do that, obviously, I have to talk about, um, you know, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Uh, whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. Uh, of course, all the NHL team shows are, are busy with the season and everything. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure the Leaf podcasts are about where they're blowing stuff up, I'm sure. Um, so definitely check that out. But uh, also... Uh, for my off-network friends, like, oh, well, we got part-time Oli down there in the swamp in Florida. Finally decided to release something, I, I noticed today. So I downloaded haven't had a chance to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it in the truck tomorrow. I actually, I actually phoned in sick today. I'm not even sad. About, I'm not even upset about that. I have no way to feel bad about that. But uh took today off, and, uh, yeah, just kind of whatever. It was good. I enjoyed it. But uh, I will listen to Alex's show tomorrow. Um but uh, and he he explained I, I I bust his balls and stuff but I explain he explains what's going on so um, but uh, but I know he went to his first ever ever Blades game he's a season ticket holder there really trying to fit into the community oh apparently he had people coming up to him saying they don't recognize him and he's a real fucking uh, he's a minor celebrity down there yeah, like I said well it's good that these people come out of the woodwork so we can all identify who the crazies are anyway so uh, you know that mud show and anybody that listens to that mud show or would admit on admit in person to doing it. Yeah. Watch out for those people. Let me tell you. So, uh, but yeah, he's back at it. Actually check out his back catalog. I'll, I'll give, I'll give part-time only credit. His back catalog is tremendous with by Lois, Yablonski, Rob Ray on and on does a great job. And, um, and on all seriousness, I think actually that as much as it pains me, to see him tailgating at the Everglades game and fight right off the draw and all that stuff. I was actually kind of, uh, kind of jealous. I'd like to actually, you know, in the nice weather down there and yeah, 
You could, I could, if I was down there, you could all pro, you might actually be able to talk me into going to one of those. But, um, yeah, tailgate and a minor league hockey game. Hey, I'm down for it. You know, it probably wasn't even tailgating. I'm sure it was just numb nuts sitting out in the parking lot drinking. It's lying in the back of his truck. He calls that tailgating, but you know, whatever. But, uh, check out his show, Five for Fighting. Also, if you happen to be on Facebook, um, Alec has started, well, he started a while ago, but he started the group, the Enforcer Appreciation Facebook group. There's over 13,000 members. Uh, check it out. Uh, sign up, videos, pictures, discussions of same. Um, yeah, and it's as close as you're going to get to the old message board days these days. So uh, definitely give it, give it a look-see. Um, my other uh, esteemed, co- well, I don't know, I was esteemed colleagues, uh, you know, that's a bit of a stretch, but... Another gentleman that's involved in the old fight podcast game, of course, you guys know him as the uh, the Prince of Long Island, Jolton Joe Lazito. Give me the Lazito. It is a New York Islander Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islanders based podcast, and uh, Joe has has, a, has done tremendous work. Fakoda, Asham, Strudwick, Bolton—they're all parts of his back catalog, and he keeps rolling along. Might be a little little bumpy these days, Joe was on furlough, so of course he had all the time in the world to do this show. Now he's back to work. He's got his, uh, like I said, he's got his uh, Tchaikovsky lunchbox ready to go. But here, I don't, here, between, here, while we're sitting here, just between you and I, don't don't spread this around. But uh, Joe's working out of Madison Square Gardens. You know what that means. I think the Islander fans would not be very happy hearing that Joe's in uh, enemy, he's right in headquarters, enemy headquarters. I don't want to say he's going Broadway blue, but I'm just saying. Keep an eye out, folks. Keep an eye out. Yeah. I'm just saying, if there's a, all of a sudden he's releasing an Alf Dolan interview, some, some questions should be asked. So, but in the meantime, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, well, and he might have got sent there because, I mean, after being furloughed for 14 months, the third day he was in, he was filling out, uh, putting in a vacation request. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, in the meantime, if you're interested, uh, you know, and you're, and you're heading to the Long Island area, if, uh, if, if you want doors to open for you, I'm not saying they might be back doors, but doors opening nonetheless, check out Joe Lozito's uh, Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. You know, yoga pants, crop tops, you know, shirts, what have you, pens, mugs, Christmas balls. If you want to hold Joe's balls, his face will be on them. And, uh, yeah, check it all out. Merchandise, Coliseum Chronicles. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, well, I'm going to, I might put on my, I might be, uh, put on my investigative journalism hat and, uh, I'll get to the bottom of this for my, for my listeners. Cause it could be, uh, something's rotten in the state of New York. We'll get down. We're going to get to the bottom of this, but like I said, I I I I have heard that there was Lazito sightings at MSG. That's all I'm saying. I'm just reporting the news. I'm not making it. I'm reporting it. So take it. You know, we'll go from there. I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide. But I think someone needs to investigate this because something's not right. But anyway, check out Joe's show. In the meantime, like I said, tremendous back catalog and uh, good dude. You know, questionable taste, but good dude. All right, folks. Uh, now that that's out of the way, if uh, 
Oh, you heard the the draft kick. I've I've had this a couple people have commented to me that they've over the last little while. And I, I got it again here um, with the DraftKings ad in the at the beginning of the show. Um, you know, and for, oh, I you know you never had ads before, but um, folks, this is how we get paid. This is how I get paid. This is how the network gets paid. There are sponsors. Also, if you're if you're gambling on DraftKings, use the THPN promo. Seriously, use the promo code. It's like a hundred free dollars. Like, wh- why wouldn't you do that? Um, if you're gonna check it, if you're gonna gamble, um, I mean that's a great deal in itself. But going forward, I mean, uh, when you're on a on a network, when it was just ForkLineVoice.com, yes, you got my sweet sounding voice all the time. But um, you know, as a as a member of the network and with ads. Like, hey, you're watching your favorite TV show. There's ads that come on, right? So um, that's how we pay for. That's how we keep the lights on here. And uh, so, again, I apologize for the people out there that, you know, I don't want to hear ads. Well, you, you know, you're going to hear ads. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I don't have a thousand of them breaking up the show or anything. Um, and believe me, and there's podcasts that I listen to. Like I listen to the Jim Cornette show, and I think there's like four advertising spots in the middle of it. So I get it. Believe me. But um, at the same time, well. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Jim Cornette's got, like, in fact, I can guarantee he's got more money and way more listeners than I have. But, uh, yeah, so, um, unfortunately, guys, that is the reality of uh, the podcasting on a network. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, we try, it's, at the end of the day, it's a minute and a half at the start of the show, and then you get another hour of no ads. So, I mean, bear with me. Um, again, that's how I get paid. While I'm on the topic, please download this. Don't stream it. I mean, that sounds so bad, but I get paid. That's true. I'm not lying to you. That's I'm keeping it transparent with you guys. That's how I get paid is by the download. And if you stream it, it does, doesn't count. So um, I need your downloads. And uh, also, if you could rate and review my show on whatever platform you happen to be listening to, it, um, that helps me out in the searches. And uh, and not just myself, guys, but for all the podcasts you guys listen to, as small time creators and stuff, we need all the help from the listeners. We're listener driven, so. Um, and I appreciate everything you guys do and the downloads every every week. I appreciate it. Um, the, the guys that, uh, if you're gambling and you use the DraftKings code, the THPN, uh, I greatly appreciate that as well. It, uh, like I said, we're just a small network. You know, we're not Barstool or anything or ESPN or TSN. So, um, you know, we're just uh, the small network uh, slugging it out here. So trying to make it. And it's, and it's tough. It's an uphill battle when you're, when you're, the, when you're the little guy. So, uh I've always said this is a listener-driven show, so any help that you guys can give me is greatly appreciated. And and like I said, it's just a small little click the download. That's all you got to do. Like that's it, and you've done it. So and that's all you need to do. And um, and it'd be greatly appreciated. So, but enough of the uh, charity. I, I won't bug any more for that. But uh, how about we get into talking to Marco here? Um, so guys, like I said, definitely go back and check out episode 86, my full-length interview with Marco. And uh, again, I want to thank Marco Cefalo for coming on the show. He was a great guest. And uh, and and again, uh, hopefully I can come up with, like I said, another series or something to have him on. I always enjoy talking to him. He's a good dude. So hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, hey, I'll talk to you guys on ha- Halloween Sunday. Uh, I will talk to you then. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are on the phone. A returning guest. It's 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 fall. I'm telling you, it, it's sweeps week. It must be. I'm get, I'm getting uh, bringing the heavy hitters back. None other than Marco Cefalo. Marco, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good, buddy. How are you today? Very good, thank you. Well, I said uh, 
I like having the guys back here. It's a new, it's a series I'm doing called Five Toughest Opponents, and uh, had a few of the characters back on the show. And uh, I, I uh, asked you if you could do it, and uh, you were just telling me you you went above and beyond here. We got five junior guys and then five pro guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I wanted I wanted to give everybody their 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 due, right? Uh, I, I feel like anybody that I'm mentioning is somebody that that kind of stood out over the years and uh you know a few of these guys got the better of me pretty well and um i felt like it was it was only right that i that i mentioned some of these guys yeah well it was interesting like we were talking i originally brought the the concept to you you were yeah you were kind of like you mean junior or you mean pro or and you kind of got me thinking i mean like i guess at whatever time period right at whatever time you were at in your career that was the toughest guy you had fought at that point right so um I right guess... sure sure and then there was, there was just a certain level of you know when you're when you're 17 to 20 how tough you think you are versus when you're you know 20 and above uh how tough you are and i, I just think there was there was different guys at different levels that uh you know when you're playing in the western hockey league and Saskatchewan junior league you're fighting mostly western western guys yeah uh, then you hit the pro leagues and all of a sudden you're fighting guys that you don't even know the guy's name, but you know he played in the AHL for seven years, and then he's now he's playing in the Central League, and he doesn't like you. Yeah. Well, it's gone from you're fighting teenagers to now you're fighting men who are trying to feed their family, and it's right. Like, you know, and it's now trying it, to get to that next level still. Yeah, it's yeah. They're still and level. they're chasing it, right? So it's like, yeah. At that point, it's uh, and you're the stepping stone to get to that that goal. So, uh, sure. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's serious now, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> well, um, well, well, let's, let's get into her here. Um, well, I guess we'll, we'll start in junior. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you have them in like an order or whatever, but, uh, I guess we'll start at number five for your junior guys here. Yeah. So, so at number five, I had, uh, none other than the, the Sasky boy, uh, Josh Dobbins. Um, and I listed him down because Dauber actually probably handed me my first loss. And, uh, he, he, uh, I think it was an exhibition game and he was the king of Regina at the time. We were both 17, but he was the king of Regina. You know, he, he had just kind of probably went through, uh, Pat's camp and we were on to preseason and, uh, uh, we both hopped the boards and we're out there and we're lined up beside each other. And I know we're going to fight. He knows we're going to fight puck drops and i mean i didn't have i thought we were going to square off and he got the jump on me and i mean four or five good ones right to the face before i even got into the fight it it didn't last much longer after that uh big black eye after the game and and uh pretty pretty pissed off never had another chance to fight him in in that game and i kind of set up a rivalry for us throughout our junior career i bet we fought another oh 10 times i bet um and and uh, but that was just the first one I had the list down there. I just thought, you know, good old Dauber, he, he handed, he handed me my ass that night. Well, that's a, yeah. I mean, you know, tough guy, kind of a, you know, kind of a, uh, a smaller kind of Ty Domi-ish guy for people out there, uh, wondering. Um, but yeah, he had some, uh, in the WHL, he doesn't get talked about a lot, but he had some big wins in the dub against some big guys. Some big name guys. Dom he fought everybody. Go. He fought yeah, everybody yeah. of that time, of that time frame and that era. Um, anybody came to town, he, he fought them. Uh, I mean, even I mean, even on the road, obviously. But but uh, he was kind of the, he was the king of Regina over there for a while, and uh, uh, he 
I saw him hand a lot of people a loss. Yep. Yep. No, tough dude for sure. Absolutely. Well, here we go. We're off to a hot start. Dobbin. All right. <laughs> Number four, a uh, guy you've had on the show before, Chris Graff. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he, uh, I, I, he was a guy that I, I probably, in my career, he probably taught me a good lesson to not underestimate the smaller guy because I, you know, probably growing up as a kid, uh, being a bigger guy all the time, you know, they never had to worry about the smaller guy. But uh, Chris Graff was one of those guys that, uh, once we kind of got going, he just he got going, and I didn't. And he kind of chucked me around a bit, um, and and uh, he probably gave me a good little thumping that uh, that, that he deserved to mention in here. Then at number three, I had uh, Reed Low. Well, there and you go. Reader was one of those guys that uh, that uh, I knew I was getting ready to fight him. I knew he was the tough guy in uh, in Moose Jaw and kind of that that division. Uh, of the Western League at the time, and uh, uh, messed my finger up on him. Still, still messed up to this day. But uh, just a super tough guy. He went on to have a unreal tough career in the NHL. Uh, a little bit in the AHL too. He was down and up. But uh, he's a tough boy. Another Sasky boy right there. Yeah, and he's a guy. Um, well, first I'll go back to Graffer. Yeah, Graff. There's another guy, much like Dobbin. Um, you know, he, you know, played the year, three years in the Western League and then, you know, unfortunately with injuries and stuff, kind of played like the one half year there in Idaho and, and in Austin and that was kind of about it. Um, so I think he, he flies under a lot of people's radars and especially for the American listeners out there that, that never got to see him. Um, definitely check YouTube, uh, G-R-A-F, Graf. Um, he has unreal fight. His fight card is unreal. Like, not only yourself, but I mean Scott Parker and stuff. And as sort of his Western Hockey League claim to fame was him dropping Chara. He dropped Chara in Prince George. And that fight is on YouTube. And it's legit. He did do it. And uh, yeah, Graffer. And I've been to his house. I hung out there a, lot, a couple years back. And uh, yeah, and I mean, on a, yeah, like you said, smaller guy, unassuming. Like, you know, 5'10". Probably played at yeah, 180, he, 180 he, and just he, like he would throw him though. Oh, oh yeah, he was unbelievable. He had and and both hands, and he was a technician. And Graf was unreal. Yeah, he was. Uh, so it's been fun getting to know him over the years here, up not being on the show and being at his place and hanging out. And uh, yeah, Graf's a really good dude. I know he's listening. Graffer's a good dude, but uh, yeah, tough as shit. And uh, he did, not only you, he did that to a, a few guys for sure. And then uh, Reed sure. Lowe, while I mean, he got his name, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he got his. Once he got his name, though, guys kind of knew, right? Exactly. Yeah. No. And then Reed Lowe. I mean, you know, I don't have to tell people about Reed Lowe. They know that. But uh, yeah, and Moose Jaw. Yeah, he had a couple back to back, like forty fight seasons coming out of the. Well, first he started in the SJ in Minot, and then came up to Moose Jaw in his hometown. Had a had a few big years there, and yeah, Reed was. Uh, well, and that's the other thing I was going to say to you, and I mean, we talked about it in your in your full-length interview, but just in here, especially in the 90s, it was tough, because there's like, there's no YouTube, there's no video, so it's not like you're doing any, or you can go watch a couple of this guy's fights and get his tendencies, like you were going into this shit blind, other than maybe what a teammate told you. <laughs> oh, he's a lefty, oh, okay. That's it, yeah. that's it, yeah, that's it, then you see the guy in warm-up and you're like, oh shit, that's a lot of, that's a lot of boy over there. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now, well, that's actually interesting because I've, I've actually, when I've talked to guys, it's kind of gone both ways. Okay, say you were playing and there was a, 
Well, I guess when you were in Oklahoma, there were ah, YouTube still wasn't around when you were playing. But I'd say their YouTube had no, been I'm around. Old. Yeah, well, I know I'm older than you. I mean, I know, I know. But yeah, they um, if you had access, say you had access to the what the kids have now with the YouTube back when you were playing, would you have been a video guy, or do you think you would have psyched yourself out? I want to say I would have been a video guy because the curiosity would have got to me. Probably, I probably would have been like, "No, you need to, you need to see what the hell's coming to town, so you don't, so you don't make a mistake." Yeah, but maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. I was, when I was seventeen, there was a lot of other stuff on my mind than maybe well, thinking yeah. about who I was fighting the next night. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because it's interesting because as I've talked to guys, I've you know, and it's like some of them were like huge into it, and then other guys were just like, I think it might have been Wade actually. No, Wade was a video guy. I'm trying to think who it was. Somebody said they'd never watch video because they, they 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 started to and then they just completely psyched themselves out. So then they they stopped. They didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I can't oh, remember. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you. Over the years, I mean, number one on this list on both levels uh, would probably be myself. I mean, I probably psyched myself out or up from fights and just you know, thinking that this big, this guy's coming to town and man, he's going to be crazy tough. And then the fight would end and you'd be like, man, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, so when you're sitting on that bus and you're taking the ride there, like that's just got to be sitting on your mind. The whole trip up is like, Oh, I got, I got, I got Dobbin sitting there waiting for me. Right. Or I got Graf sitting there and you know, exactly. Oh, guess, I guess we're going to Moose Jaw this week or, uh, yeah. Going into Brandon and uh, who was out there? Daniel Tetro and uh, who else did they have out there at the time? Well, I was like Van uh, and all those guys and yeah, Staples. Yeah, and, yeah just just somebody somewhere, you know, going into Swift Current. Derek Arbez. I don't know if you remember that. Oh guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you fight Arbez? He said, "I fought Arbez. I think one time I fought Jeremy Rondo a few times. Yep. I think I fought Arbez once, but." Uh, but they said, you know, he had he had this certain aura about him. Guys said he used to carry around a, a mannequin head on the bus with him. And I don't know if that was just like a, a rumor. You know, at the time, you don't know. Like there was no, there was nothing to, to, verify or or you know confirm or deny what was going on. Well, you those, hear this stuff and be like, man, that guy's a head case. Those social media and you know, which is probably a good thing back then. But uh, you know, there's no Twitter or cell phones or any of that stuff. So yeah, the urban legends right. would would go around. Right, right. So, so, so like, okay, so you're, hold on, you're saying he carried a, before we get going here, a mannequin, what was the deal with the mannequin head? Like, was there a reason? I, I don't know, it was just, it was, it was something that I heard, I don't remember who said it, um, but they, they said that, that he used to roll around on the bus, like on his road trips, he'd take a mannequin head with him, and like, that was his, I guess his, uh, his seatmate, or whatever, right. I don't know, that's, that's just what I heard. Tremendous. You know, I, th- I think he's and, on Facebook. And then you hear other stuff like, you know, Dale Purrington's got his name tattooed across his back. And then you see it's true and you're like, well, fuck, Arbez must carry a mannequin head <laughs> around with him then. Yeah, Purrington and Fedoric both had tattoos across their back with their names. Yeah. But, uh, well, there you go. And uh, mannequin head. Well, see, Arbez, I think, is on Facebook. I should get a hold of him. So ask him if his mannequin head stuff <laughs> true. And I'll say, yeah, Cephalo's <laughs> talking mad shit about you. To it. Yeah, I'll say Cephalo's talking mad shit about you. What do you have to say? I'm going to start something here. <laughs> no, uh, that's I, I, it's it's what I heard. I didn't start it. Oh but yeah, I, yeah. But uh, well, there you go, Arbez. There's another name. Like yeah, he had a big. Uh, he had a 40 fight year the one year in Swift Current. Big name. But then 
I don't want to say the Nats yet, but you know what I mean? It's like those junior guys. You know, they had their couple years of like 30, 40 fights back in the 90s, and then it's like, and then it's back to the farm, right? They don't play pro. They don't, you know, they don't go on. And it's just, so people, they sort of, those guys get lost where people don't know about them, like a, a Dobbin or, well, I guess Dobbin played in the Quebec League a little bit too, but, but you know what I'm saying though? Like they don't play in the East Coast or the American League or whatever for people to see them. It's just like these, these hometown junior tough guys, especially junior ASJ. Like there's a few dudes going around the SJ that were like just killers. And then after that, it's back to the family farm and that's what they do. But so people don't know these guys. So yeah, when you throw out the names like the Arbez and the Dobbins and stuff like that, yeah, it's like, it's cool, man. People need to hear these names because there was some dudes back in the day. <laughs> look, up, look up some names. See if you can't find a few fights with them. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I uh, number at number two. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say. Yeah. Where were we? Number two. Yes. Number two. So at number two, I got uh, I got Steve Pete. Yep. I got Pete. And I fought him when he was young. So so I probably like I said I probably lucked out. Um, I I think I was. 17 he was 16 or i was 18 he was 17 one or the other but we were pretty young and i think he was still just coming into his own because he ended i mean he ended up being he was real tough when i fought him oh but, fuck. Uh, that guy was 15 playing in the bc league knocking people out in like langley and shit pete was a killer man right yeah and the fight you're talking about folks is on my youtube channel marco's fight with pete behind the net there that is a very good fight but yeah old pete man yeah he just couldn't couldn't hit him hard enough i guess couldn't hit him hard enough. Yeah, well, I heard like, a lot of guys say that about him. You couldn't hit him hard enough. Well, that was the thing. Like even at sixteen, like that was the big rumor. Where, like he fought Rocky, right? At like sixteen, and like just stood there and took it and like threw it back, like you know. And that was like sixteen year old against like kind of the league champ at the time. It was like Jesus. All right, you know. Yeah, PD was. I think Rocky was pretty much the champ of the league. Uh, yeah, I was just telling my wife about it the other day. She was she was asking me, you know. After you had talked to me, reached out to me, she said, "Who who are you? Who, what kind of guys are you talking about?" And and uh, I just told her some of these guys, and I, I told her there was just one guy though. He was the heavyweight champ, and he was the heavyweight champ for a reason. And and he he owned that title for a long time. There may be a, a couple guys that got the better of him here and there, but that guy fought. I don't know how many times Rocky fought every year in the Western League, probably thirty. And I bet he maybe lost one a year. Oh yeah, he yeah. Just, how like well I know that, you, like you were in Medicine Hat with him. How'd you uh, how'd you get along with him? No, no, we we were not in Medicine Hat together. We, so what happened is that same, the day that he got traded to Swift Current, I got traded to Medicine Hat. Oh, uh-huh. okay. So here, here I thought I'm going into the here I thought I'm going in. And, and, and by the way, Rocky's my number one for junior. Yeah. Just since we're talking about the guy, since we're talking about him. Yeah. Uh, but. You know uh, that day that I got dealt, I was pretty I was pretty devastated because I was I was having a good year in PA um, and things were going well and I had you know I had teams talking to me about the draft and stuff and you know nothing too hot and heavy but I mean when when people are calling you're getting pretty excited. Yep. And um, anyways, I I get dealt the same that day and I'm pretty devastated but I'm like well shit you know worst case scenario you're going over to Medicine Hat with Rocky and and uh, you're going to be pretty tough team and that wasn't the case because Swift Current picked him up and they were going for, they were, they were making a playoff run. So basically I went in to where the heavyweight champ was, was fighting for years. And basically, you know, I, I, I got his billet. I was sleeping in his room in his bed, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it felt weird. Yeah. This isn't awkward. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. This not, not only did this suck, but now this is awkward. Thanks a lot. But yeah, I had I had Rocky at number one, and Rocky's fight. Um, I, I talked about it on my podcast. That the first one with you was uh, one of those deals where I tried to get the better of him in, in the first time, and I kind of jumped him, and he didn't drop his gear, and I got a ten minute misconduct, and then in Medicine Hat the next time uh, that we played them there. Uh, he kind of got the jump on me, and but I mean, he—I mean, he gave it to me. He gave it to me. I, I was trying to get back into the fight, but they just seemed like every time I got a, a hold of his one arm, the other one was coming, and and then I had to try to get that one under control, and then oh shit, it's back to the right. It was—it uh, was not my finest hour. It was not my finest hour. But I mean, you know, to to lose to a guy like that, I mean. <laughs> There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that kind of deal. No, many did. Yeah, like you said, right? It wasn't like you were just, you weren't the first, that's for sure. Well, and he has such that, right. and it was with Rocky, it's such that awkward style, right? Like, kind of like that chuck and duck style, and he could throw with both hands. And But yeah, I mean, when he's chucking it, you get the left coming. I mean, that's, he, he looks really awkward. Like, trying to fight him looks like it would be very awkward. He's he's long, right? He's very long, and he's good at he's, he's Golden Gloves boxer, so he's he's excellent with both hands. Um, he's long, and he's he's elusive, and he's kind of crazy. He's wild, right? That's always a hard fight. Yeah, wild is always a hard fight. If a guy does the same thing every time, and and you're able to get a hold of him, and he's trying to get position and stuff, but Rocky's just throwing, and he's throwing, and if you get a hold of him, he's throwing with the other hand, and he's spinning around, and he's ducking and weaving and his hair is going everywhere because i mean he's got that mop yep and uh but yeah he was he was just a really he was just a really tough dude and i mean that that translated into pro hockey for him um into the nhl i mean he beat up a lot of tough dudes in the nhl so uh and the ahl i mean you just had the didn't you just have the the tournament deal the other uh, weeks back and yeah yep he ended up finished second is is that right uh yeah he lost to mcintyre in the final yeah I had him. I had him over Big Mac. That's just me, though. Yeah, so did I. I, I, I could have voted. I probably would have voted that too. Yeah, I said. I said I could but, see him picking Mac apart like he picked Grimson apart in Calgary that night. Yep. Yeah, he's he's just wild, right? And that's that's a bad. I think that's a bad matchup for Mac because Mac would just like to kind of grab you and string you out with his his power, big country boy farmer, string you out and hit you with those fucking hammers. Yep. But, anyways, that's that's where I finished up with uh, with Junior. I had Rocky at number one just because, I mean, and he just the aura the guy carried, yeah, for for years. I mean, for years. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. Before we get to the pro, I was just you've made mention of it, like you know, kind of a quick start, or he got a quick start at your whatever. Um, of course, back in the day, of course, when you were playing, it was always sort of the especially the Western League. It was helmets off, right? Square off the helmet off thing. That was big in the Western League. Um, did you prefer the big square off, or would you rather just like let let's just let's get at it right now? Were you a big square off guy, or did you just want to get in right away? I I think I did about half and half, and I think in on, uh, honesty, I think uh, honestly, I think it, the the getting right after it was was always better. It just seemed like it was a more natural fit to the game. You know, the other the other part kind of felt like the show. It was all for show, and, and and it was. I mean, obviously, it was. I mean, look, well, yeah. look at look at what that era produced, fights wise, versus what you're seeing nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, as far as what I preferred, I preferred just getting after it. Yeah. Kind of spur of the moment, uh, let it, letting it letting it take place. Um, 
even if you were even if you were lined up at the face off, I preferred just dropping them and getting after it. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, that's a well. We're off to we're off to a hot start. That was uh, that was five. Uh, yeah, tough tough dudes in junior. That's for sure. So now we got the uh, the pro <laughs> side of things. And for uh, for the folks again listening out there, of course, uh, Marco played uh, four years with the Oklahoma City Blazers in the Central Hockey League, and then uh, briefly ten games in the craziness of the Quebec of the Quebec League with the Laval Chiefs. So. Uh, let, we're, we'll have at her here. What's what's your pro list here? All right. So at number five, I got my first um, my first regular season pro fight. It was against a guy named Bob Westerby. <laughs> um, yep. If you look up Bob's stats from that year in in um, in Memphis, he had he played nine games and he had ninety six pimps. Um, and I believe Bob played in the, the AHL. He was, I think he was an older guy when I came into the league. Um, I think he may have been playing in the AHL and then, uh, that dream was fizzling out for him and he, he was down in the Central League, um, doing his thing for, for a little while, I guess. I don't know how many years he played or what, but, uh, it was the one time I played against him and, uh, uh, it was my first pro game and, and I had a couple of, of bad shifts, the, the two shifts before and, I'd come off the ice and our coach at the time, Doug Sauter, he, he comes down and you know, Doug was never, never shy about, uh, about saying how he felt about the way you were playing. And, uh, he came down and he says, Marco, somebody told me you're a tough guy. I like to play the body. He starts walking away and he starts chuckling. He goes, somebody lied, just walked away. <laughs> just, just ripping me. Right. So now I'm pissed. Next shift, I'm going out there. I'm trying to fight. I go out there, and, and the first guy that comes near me, I chop him, and I cross-check him, and, and I don't even know who the guy is because, I mean, of course, I'm new to the league. We've never played this team. We didn't play him in exhibition, and, you know, I'm I'm just getting going in my pro career. And the guy I'm chopping is, I think the guy's name was Derek Grant. It was their best player at the time. It was it was their it was their number one guy. Um, and all I felt was, was a guy grab my jersey from behind me and start punching me, and he's, he's drilling me, and, and uh, I spin him back around. I get back involved in the fight, and and I actually kind of give it to him before the end of the fight's over. Um, but but uh, yeah, Bob Westerby. Um, and I think I think I've looked him up in the past, and I think he he had quite a few pims in quite a few places. Yes, he did. Well, Bob Westerby, for those wondering, he played on the camp those amazing Kamloops Blazer teams that were winning Memorial Cups. He played for them for three years, and he was a Buffalo Sabres draft pick, so he played a year in Rochester. And then he was in the East Coast League for five years with, uh, but oh yeah, 300 minutes the one year and then 200 minutes and 28 games in Memphis the one year. And yeah, and, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, right. so yeah, you definitely picked, uh, you didn't pick, uh, a shrinking violet. That's sure, for sure, for your first pro tilt anyway. <laughs> did, right, I was going right, to ask you, right. did you, when you, uh, turned pro, did you go right to Oklahoma? Yep, yep, that was the first place I went. I had a lot of offers, uh, yeah. My, uh, my my twenty year old year of junior, I, I had a really good year, a lot of pins, a lot of points, um, and I had a lot of a lot of good offers. But the the uh, the, the selling point was always for me. I mean, you got ten thousand fans in the building. Yeah, that's a big. I mean, when you're when you're a young kid, you always dream about playing in front of fans, and you know, ten thousand fans a night that uh, that'll get you going. Well, yeah, absolutely, and of course, I mean, you know, you guys, of course, had no. No shortage of toughness and 
And, of course, with the solder there, there was always a real heavy Western Canadian theme to the team. So you got... Lots of, lots of Saskatchewan boys on the team. For yeah, sure. yeah. So it's like, you know, you and uh, and Brookbank and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, uh, tough team. And, uh, like you said, weather's good, big crowds. Yeah, I mean, what uh, what more can you ask for yeah, out of minor league hockey, for sure? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see, number four, I had uh, Johnny Hewitt. Oh, there you go, yeah, yeah. Good old Johnny. One of the most willing guys ever to do the, to play the role. Um, and just a tough, big, strong dude that, uh, that I, again, I talked about the story with him um on my podcast with you earlier on the, on the, the previous show but uh, uh johnny was was talking shit to my brother in the summertime and uh told him he was coming down he was playing for wichita and he was going to be in the central league and he was going to kick the shit out of me so so of course that's just one of those things that uh, uh it's a fight that's easy to get up for you know uh one of the things you should never do is, is give a fighter a reason to to want to kick the shit out of you other than it's just his job, and, and it was it was more personal. Um, so I felt like that was that was a good tilt too. I mean, he was coming in; he obviously knew he had ran his mouth, and he knew it was going to get back to me. Um, so he obviously knew I was I was ready. But uh, he 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 didn't shy away from anything, and we went toe to toe, pretty pretty solid. But I diced him up pretty hard. Uh, gave me a big black eye at the time when I had Harry pulled the shit out of my hair because he was <laughs> losing. So. He reached up and grabbed the shit out of my hair because I guess he was mad. You know, Johnny Johnny had a, a few screws loose, um, just naturally. He 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 had he had no trouble uh, starting a shit show. That's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course, uh, Hewitt would go on to uh, you know the the craziness of the Quebec League as well. So, which is probably you know he fit in very well. He wasn't so crazy anymore once he got to Quebec. That was just normal shit down there. You know, so that was absolutely normal shit down there. That was, I mean, that was normal shit. Bench bra- uh, line brawls were normal shit down there. Fucking bench brawls were the were the abnorm, and that was probably one every five six games. You know, it, it was a, it was a donkey show. I mean, it was it really was. But they knew they knew they knew their target audience, man. They knew who they were catering to, and it worked. Yeah. Oh, the money that I, I'd love yeah. to see their books from those years. Well, no one saw I mean, their books that year. That's why it worked bit, so good. <laughs> it may be watered down now a little bit, but uh, but in those times, I, I mean, their books had to look great because they were packed houses every night. Those those stadiums held, um, I'd say, 2,500, 3,000, 4,000 fans some places. And, I mean, they'd pack them in there, wasted Frenchmen, yep. just waiting for the next fight. It was yep. awesome. Beer sales were brisk, and well, I mean, the Quebec team was playing at the Coliseum. I mean, they had ten thousand people at those games. They were on TSN, like when the strike was on. They were or RDS, I guess, the French version. And you know, it's like shit. Oh yeah, the money in that league was oof, flying around for sure for those mid two thousands. It was, uh, yeah, that was unreal. Um, well, I was just saying. Of course, you. Yeah, I know you played briefly in Laval. And again, folks, this is Mark when I cover all this in his other interview. But for the sake of New listeners will say, um, like when you went to Laval, um, you know, we won't get into the money or anything, but did you get paid everything you were promised? Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. I never, uh, I never had, uh, I never had any problems on the financial end of things there. They might have been, they might have been a little bit dishonest with you and told you, told you some shit that they, they thought they needed you to hear to get you to come up there. 
Yep. But as far as I, I, I always got paid. Nobody, I, I, it was never a, a financial issue. At the end of that o two o three, um, did you have any? Was there ever any plan on like maybe going back to play with Laval, or was it just like no, never, no, that was it, never. That was not. No, I wasn't. I I decided after I'd been there for ten games that wasn't going to be how I was going to make my money. Yeah. It was, but it was it was a great experience, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And all the respect to the guys that decided that that's how they were going to make their money. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, that was that wasn't enough money for me to put myself in that kind of spot because I know that there's a lot of guys that uh, that got really hurt from that league. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, we yeah. Don't, that we don't talk about. Now, now, granted, nobody gets nobody's going into that league, or at least they're not playing five games in that league and not knowing what the hell's going on because. It doesn't take you very long, even if you're naive going into that situation to see what's going on in that league. That's a that's a league where you're expected to fight every time somebody says "let's go." Yep. Yeah. Well, and, you're, gonna, and, you're, and, and you were paid every night. Well, yeah, and you were paid as such. And if you weren't going to do it, especially back then, we'll get someone in here that will. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, so it was. Uh, yeah, there was no. Uh, yeah, no, there was no, there certainly wasn't any sugarcoating what you were there to do, and it was it was made abundantly clear very quickly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so okay, okay, so we got Westerby, we got Hewitt, so it'd be number three. Number three is going to be uh, Ken Richardson. Oh, there you go, little dub guy. Yeah, tough, tough guy, uh, smaller guy, but but tough. Went toe to toe with him. Um, had a lot of respect for the guy. Heard a lot about the guy. Know he beat up a lot of people. Yep. Um, and and uh, good guy. I think that that was another one of those deals that uh, uh, Doug gave me a little pre-shift motivation. We'll call it <laughs> pre pre-shift motivation where he he was having he was having a night with me. He was he was all over me. I was hung over. He was up my ass. I. Uh, I think I was minus two that game. We were probably up five one or five two or something, but I was minus two. And uh, he liked to play our third line against our top line. And every once in a while, you know, the, the top line guys would roast you in the neutral zone, and, and then Doug would roast you. <laughs> so this is this was his way of. Uh, so you figured out, I better fight Ken Richardson to get back in the. Uh... Get out of the dog. No, but he was a motivational speaker. He was a motivational speaker. There you go. He was a motivational speaker. Yeah, he'd, he'd let you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ken Richardson, yeah, another, uh, you know, former Red Deer Rebel. And, uh, yeah, played uh, seven seasons down there in the Central League in Huntsville and San Antonio and Corpus. And uh, Good player, too. I mean, yeah. I could play the game. He was a good player. Well, Ed, was he, well, he was in Laval the same, was he there when you were there in Laval? No, he he left right before I got there, and I think he left for the exact same reason that I did. Yeah, because <laughs> because they you know the money the money thing is what gets you to go. Yep. Um, and then it, and then it's basically on you to decide if if that much money is worth it for you to to stay. Yep. So, or do I head back down south and get paid <clears throat> half that much? Uh. To, to do, but it's not it's not the same thing, right? It's a totally different it's a totally different animal. Oh the, yeah, the Quebec League's a totally different animal. When you went to the Quebec League, were you? How was the like in terms of the 
like okay, the 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 circus and the and the gong show and all that is that's a whole other that's a whole other level that isn't you know anywhere near to any other league, especially at that time period. But when they had to actually play with the little black thing that was rolling around out there, how did you actually find the gameplay in terms of talent level? Uh, the game the, the gameplay was was probably East Coast League yeah level. Uh, yeah. There, there was there was good players. There was players. A lot of guys that were there played in the East Coast League and. Uh, but every team always had their top two lines, yeah. and then you had the two lines that it, you had two lines. At least we had we had three lines of freaking donkeys, and then we had donkeys waiting to get in the lineup that were fucking suspended. So <laughs> yeah. it was yeah. always it was always a matter of who was next to step in the lineup, who was suspended, who wasn't suspended. I mean, it it it, it was it was insane. It was insane. Well, yeah, it's like the Lay's potato chips. Eat, eat what you want, we'll make more. Yeah, that's kind of what Laval was, right? Like, you know, that's right. But I think a lot of times, like, people see the, people that don't know, they see the YouTube videos and they see the circus shit, and and rightfully so, it has the image that it has, because, okay. But I think you always hear the term, like, oh, it's a beer league. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's it's no beer league. Like, that was... No. No, and like you were saying, a lot of the French guys, for them, they left the East Coast, or if they were over in Europe, they came home. You know, because now they're back at home. A lot of those guys, a lot of those talented guys who come back there, because... The, the tough guys weren't the only ones getting paid. I mean, we had guys that played in the NHL. On, I mean, like I, I said in the podcast before, yeah. we had Bobby Dallas, he yeah. played in the NHL. We had Mike Mongeau, he played in the NHL. I mean, we had, there was NHL caliber guys that were playing there. They might have been at, at the twilight of their career, but uh, a lot of guys that have played in the show could play in the East Coast League till they're 40 or 50. Yeah. No, exactly. So, yeah. So it's definitely, yeah, like this, uh, it, there's definitely this idea with some fight fans that it's like, oh, no, it's a beer league. And it's like, no, it's not. It's there. It's, no, no, not at all. No, but the talent level was certainly there. But yeah, when it was time to, you know, when it was time to dance, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was a whole different level. But uh, all right. Well, Kenny Richardson, there we go. That's a great name. There you go. Blast in the past. All right, uh, number, what are we at, two? Number two. Yeah, we're at two, we're at two. Uh, number two, I got uh, Kevin Pop. Ah, love and it. And the reason we got him, he's he, tough guy, tough guy, big guy. Through hammers, I mean, the, he, he punched me one time in the fight. The only reason I know that is because I watched it afterwards on video. Punched me one time, I was out on my feet. Um, I continue to fight, break his nose, and kind of, kind of get him up against the wall. Refs break it up, but really good fight. Uh, the only time he clocked me though, he, he put me out on my feet. I don't remember anything about the fight. The only reason I remember the fight is because I saw it. I saw it afterwards. Yeah, old pop. Yeah, another Western League guy. Of course, he was out in Spokane and Seattle and in Portland. Uh, then I played uh, a, b- a bunch of years in Birmingham in the East Coast League. Um, of course, when you fought him, he would have been with the Indianapolis Ice right at the last couple of years of his career. I believe he's a firefighter out there now. But uh, And I know he listens to the show, so I've got rumors that he listens to the show. Him and Kenny Boone are firefighters out in Indianapolis. So um, That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. And, he, uh, uh, he hammered me with a good one. Yeah, I think uh, uh, my buddy Marty uh, Standish played with him in uh, – uh, junior and uh yep, i think i broke his nose in that fight or um but yeah he, he he had me out on my feet don't remember the fight did he come out of his gear on you 
He was famous for that in the Western League. I know that. He'd always shit. He was like the. No, rock. I, I think I, I think I broke his nose early in the fight, and and maybe he was probably just like, all right, get get. And and something else I remember about the fight is that he jerked me down. It seemed like with a with a the the, the greatest of ease. Like he just when he decided the fight was over, he just pulled the front of my jersey, and I went I went right down fast. Uh, that probably had something to do with me not remembering <laughs> the fight. Yeah, yeah. You you didn't go down, but you were doing funny things standing up. <laughs> yeah, I I don't even know. To be honest, I didn't remember throwing any punches in the fight except for watching the video. There you go. Yeah, so I must I must have hung in there, huh? Just, just just instinct kicked in and just hung in there. Yeah, well, and like you said, and with Pop, I mean, like he did it for a long time in the in, the, in junior and, and and in the pros there for you know six years, but. Uh, yeah, big dude, tough guy. Yeah, he fought everybody in the Western League too. You have a real Western Hockey League flavor here to these to these names. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of those guys just they're guys that you play with throughout your whole career, right? That uh, uh, the, the tough guys that are real tough that that are kind of on the same path you are. They make it to the same level, maybe a little bit higher, and and you uh, you bump into each other along the way, and you're both still stuck in the same fucking job, so you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, who we got? Number one, your number one pro fight. My number one pro fight, tough, the, the, the toughest guy I feel like I fought in pro um, and gave it to me. Didn't I didn't even get a chance to get started. Gave it to me, got my jersey up and was throwing uppercuts, uh, chucking me around. I mean, you can just feel the raw power of the guy. Uh, I think I lucked out. I think he hit me in the helmet mostly. Um, but you could just feel that he was chucking bombs. Uh, Marty Melnichuk. <laughs> the meat grinder. There you go. Yeah. The meat grinder. Big, 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 big boy. I think he was a second round pick by the Rangers or a seventh round pick by the Rangers. And, you know, of course I didn't, I didn't know beforehand. Uh, at the time Dobbin was actually playing in Oklahoma city with us. He had come down there on a three game tryout. And, and, uh, he told me before the game, he said, you know, don't just leave him alone. Let him sleep. He's a, he's an animal. He said he's a different kind of animal. And of course, you know, sometimes you just get curious. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, he kind of, he caught me at the end of a shift and, uh, I believe I was hustling on the back check, probably a rarity. I maybe should have threw that on the highlight reel. Uh, but I was hustling back on the back check and, uh, uh, puck stop, uh, stoppage by our goalie in front of our net. And I came in there. I think he was shoving some guys. I shoved him and gloves were off and he's chucking bombs. And I mean, Anybody that, that has ever seen Marty, uh, he's not a small man. He's, he's got a, I mean, back then he had to be 230 pounds, 6'2", and, and maybe 5% body fat. He was he was a very, very large, muscular individual. Yeah. Well, yeah. I believe he still is. Oh, well, yeah. He still is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, and like I said, he would uh, kind of had like that, um, you watch his fights, he's kind of got like a, I don't want to say like a Tony Twist vibe to him, but it's like, yeah, he's kind of got that uh, jerky around and just, yeah, like you said, just straight bombs and there's no setup. Super, super strong. Super yeah. Strong. Yeah. Like there's no setup punches. It's all just coming from the hip and yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Yeah, when you, to knock it. It, was there any, I guess this one would probably be one of them, but, or maybe not, but was there ever a fight you'd kind of, not that you want back, but it was like, 
Is is he the one guy that you're like I want I would have wanted a rematch against him or no it was it just that bad? You know, I I had I had a chance to fight him in the playoffs. If it wasn't playoffs, I would have fought him again. Yeah. I would have liked to have fought to fight him again and, and be a little bit more ready for for that onslaught. But yeah, I, I think well the, the, a guy that didn't make the list, but you talked about Ken Boone. I'd like to have a couple fights back with him. I might fight Booner tomorrow if I saw him. And I hear he's a great guy and a nice guy, but just. Just to try to get back the couple, he got he kind of got the jump on me a little bit. Refs broke him up early, you know, one of those kind of things that that uh, I just like to get a few shots at him back. I'm kidding, obviously, but but yeah, but it's like that frustration. You you just kind of when you get kind of get going, the refs come in or whatever, and it's just like you never really yeah, didn't get, you never you got your didn't one end the way I wanted to. But I, I definitely would have fought uh, Marty again. I I don't think I ever played him again in a regular season game, and it was the playoffs. Um, when I did see him again. So, I, you know, not much fighting going on in the playoffs and definitely don't want to, definitely don't want to give up the momentum on that night. <laughs> that no. might not be the night to lose another one. Yeah, exactly. Um, was there ever a guy, like, was there ever, uh, was there ever somebody you wanted to fight and you never got a chance to? I'm trying to think. No, I, I I think pretty much any guy I ever had a shot at, uh, what was that guy? There was one guy in Dallas that I actually tried to fight him a few times and he chicken shitted out. Then I ended up elbowing him in the back of the head, um, at the end of the game. And then, uh, all hell broke loose, ended up fighting a couple guys off the ice. Uh, yeah, bad deal in Dallas. Bad deal down in Fort Worth. I can't remember the guy's name. Clark? Last name was Clark. But Jason Clark? Yeah, I think it, I think it was Jason Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only played him. I only played him once or twice, though. Uh, but he was kind of a donkey, running around, running everybody. You know, being a cheap shot and uh, wouldn't fight me. Chased him all over the ice, wouldn't fight me. And then I ended up elbowing him in the back of the head, cheap shotting him. You know, obviously that's that's what we do when we don't get what we want. We cheap shot the guy. Yeah. So. Um, a cheap shot at him, elbowed him in the back of the head, and uh, a waylay ensued. I believe it was kind of a everybody dropped their gloves, line brawl type of thing, and uh, they got me off the ice. And two of the two of the Brahma players were walking back to their dressing room, and they started talking shit. And then they came running up, and I fought those guys off the ice, and you know, just the good old days. Just the good old days. Yeah, Jason Clark, I believe. <laughs> I, be- I believe he is hockey's all time penalty minute leader. Come on! Yeah. Oh, he played well. He had, he had, uh, he had uh, basically three five hundred minute seasons. He played in Verdun. He had five hundred seventeen minutes one year. Yeah. Well, the year you're talking about in Fort Worth, in sixty four games, he had three hundred thirty minutes. Yeah, three thirty seven, three fifty four, four sixty seven, really? four ninety one. Yeah. He. Um, yeah, he played forever. He played from ninety three to uh, two thousand and ten. Yeah, he was in the Quebec League. Ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah, he was, uh, I believe him and uh, Bonvi, well, Bonvi's like the American League all-time penalty minute leader, but I, I'm pretty sure Jason Clark is minor league hockey's all-time penalty minute leader. So, and I well, have there heard. there you have it. They, well, there you go. The guy, I wish I could have There you go. Well, and there's a few guys I've had on this show that didn't have much, to, much good things to say about Jason Clark. So, yeah, you're, you're not alone in your sentiment. 
Well, there, there, there it is. If I could run one back and try to get get somebody that I didn't get, that would be him. There you go. There you go. Well, hey man, well that was that was a hell of a list. Uh, yeah, double duty, junior and pro. And uh, of course, for everybody listening, I highly encourage you to go back and check out Marco's full length interview where we cover his entire career and we timeline it right from uh, from the from the Winnipeg days right to the end in Oklahoma. But uh, I won't keep you too long because I know you're a busy dude. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to come back on the show. No problem, Darren. My pleasure, and uh, it's always nice to walk down memory lane and think about some guys that uh, that you haven't thought about in a long time. Hope, hope all those guys are doing good for themselves, and um, uh, great to see that your podcast is being is successful, and uh, see all the guests that you have and, and everything that you're doing, man. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate that, and thank you. You, uh, you read that just like I wrote it, so it was uh, much appreciated. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, it's no, it's been a lot of fun to have you guys on and uh, share, hearing your stories and uh, you know and uh, know the feedback's been really good and you were a very popular guest so it'll be uh, fun to have you. It's great to have you back on. I know the the people will dig it. So, but uh, I will let you go. But uh, once again, thank you for coming on. All right, buddy. Have a good one. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?